breath of God. Remember when Jesus, he breathed on his disciples, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it was like a mighty rushing wind. You know? But it's also um, when you're close enough to someone, feel their breath on you. You know what I mean? So it, it has to do also with that intimacy and that relationship with God, you know. And I used to kind of <clears throat> let's say not emphasize when I would teach or you know, we understand the power of what Christ has done, right? He positioned us into himself. And so I would read verses <clears throat> like those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and think they will be satisfied. And, you know, I've heard it taught, and I've even taught it in the way that there's no more hunger and thirsting. There's no more. And on one side, God has done everything that he's going to do. You know, he has positioned us. The Holy Spirit has positioned us into God himself. We're in union with him. It's by the blood of Jesus. His sacrifice, not our works, nothing we can add to it, nothing we can do. And we're there. We're seated with him in Christ in heavenly places. But there's relationship which helps us experience everything that God has provided for us. So, for example, when we know what the Word of God says, that's it, right? Okay, so, and we speak to that mountain, and it must move. And that's true. What if it didn't move when we spoke to it? Have you had an experience like that before? <laughs> I have. <laughs> Confession. <laughs> it's not God's fault. It's not that, Jesus, you didn't, Holy Spirit, you didn't position me right within yourself. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody's ever going to go to heaven and say that to God. God, you were holding out on me. What? Jesus, your blood wasn't enough. What? You, you needed to do something more. What? You see how wrong this is. So what's... But, you know, when we are taught only that... Everything's done. That's only one side of the coin. It is. Everything has done. But now work out that salvation that God has put within. God has done everything he's going to do. He's sitting down. It says he's sitting down. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Waiting for his enemy, enemies, enemies to be made a footstool. So you see, that's where our relationship with him 
and our love, which is manifest by yielding and doing what he says, according, if you want to bring the Bible into it, John 14, those who love me obey my commandments. And then my father loves him and we will come and move in and manifest ourselves to him. So what's going on there? I thought it's all done. Finished. Yes, but how are we responding now to the breath? Are we even close enough to feel his breath upon us? Ah, no, but it's all done. Really? So your life looks like Jesus. And every mountain you speak to moves. And the love of Christ and the joy of the Holy Ghost is just overflowing from you so that just like at the day of Pentecost when people look at you, they're just like, these guys are drunk. It wasn't because they were speaking in other languages they thought they were drunk. Why would, why would you think somebody's drunk? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says all the people from different areas, because there was like a feast or something going on there, and there was like all these peoples from different areas speaking different languages. And when the Holy Spirit came on the, the, the believing ones who were gathered there, the Holy Spirit was poured out like tongues of fire, and it says they spoke with other tongues and languages as the Holy Spirit enabled them. And all these people were hearing the, the, the wonderful works of God being proclaimed in their own languages that they didn't know. Why would you think somebody's drunk because they're speaking in another language? It's supernatural, it's wonderful, but you wouldn't think they're drunk, right? Mm -hmm. Why did they think they were drunk? Because they were beside themselves <laughs> with joy mm -hmm. and probably laughter and the experience of God, the breath, the wind of God that Jesus said they should receive has come upon them and now they are beside themselves they are no longer in control like when you think of somebody who says don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the spirit of god what happens then your fear of man your inhibitions everything goes out the window and you're <laughs> overcome by something right it's the same with the spirit of god but in a good positive outcome and way <laughs> you know what happens are good things because it's the holy spirit that has overcome and us and we have allowed ourselves to be dethroned and now christ is the god is the one who the holy spirit is the one who has control and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And when we come to that place and we live that crucified life that Paul explained in Philippians 3, where he said, you know, all my achievements, I consider it like junk compared to my knowing Christ and him crucified. And he says, what I desire is that my life will be that I will know the sufferings of Christ. What does that mean? It means denying the flesh. It means denying the self who wants to be in control. I'll make this decision. I'm in control. But the Holy Spirit is there, gentle as a dove, not pushing himself. But he's just, when are you going to let go? <laughs> so I can empower and, and take you further beyond yourself. So the, the disciples were beside themselves with joy. 
You can't fake love. You can't fake joy. You can be happy depending on situations and you get this and that. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the breath of God, the proximity and the joy and the love that gives life, power and godly dominion in a situation. Because we aren't in the in human ability isn't in the equation and now it's just God. And so when you go up to the gates of hell to set the captives free, they cannot withstand because when they look at you, all they see is Jesus. Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming for me, but he has no flesh hook in me. He has nothing in me to hook me with. Literally the word there means like a flesh hook, something that's not right, you know. That human fallen nature is in control. Well, the enemy can hook onto that and mess with you. <laughs> you know, and cause you to feel this and feel that and want to lash out here and lash out there. The, the enemy like a hook just dragging you around. You know, but Jesus said, he has nothing in me. There's no flesh hook. He was already crucified before he went to the cross. Or he never would have gone to the cross. He was living the crucified life. The the physical act of going to the cross was an expression of the life he was already living. But that's why he lived in the resurrection power as well. Because he was crucified from the beginning of the world, the scripture says. Read it. It's in the book of Revelation. Christ was crucified from the foundation of the world. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they already made the plan. They knew mankind would mess up, (laughs) break the paradise that God had created and the relationship that was there. And so Jesus already agreed that he volunteered and said, I'll go and pay the price for their sin so that they can be restored into relationship with us. Because we were created to be family. Not to join a religion. (laughs) We were created as family in the very image and likeness of God. So much so that, like we talk about, often that tree was put there just as a reminder that they weren't God. It was to help them. Say, this is mine. It's not yours. They were so much like God, they might have got confused, but that was a reminder. Okay, That was God's tree. He could handle the knowledge of good and evil. Mankind was not designed to know evil. Mankind falls when when they start looking at those things. Because we're an image of God, but we're not God. But we're so much like him. We can participate in all the good, all that, but we weren't meant to know evil. So we stay away from it. We just don't even bring it into the equation. And um, Okay, so that... Relationship brings the fullness of what the Holy Spirit has positioned us into. It's walking closely with Him. It's living the crucified life. It's, it's, it's recognizing the blood of Jesus in every moment because we need Him in every moment so we can be beside ourselves walk humbly with our God, which means we yield and we actually obey the things that he says to do. And 
When somebody lives like that and gets out of the way, guess what the world is going to see? He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. And that's how we lift him up. How do you lift him up? Go buy a crucifix and put it on your... There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying he, he needs to be exalted in our hearts, in our lives. Not just wearing a t-shirt, but in our heart and in our life, we really are exalting Jesus, living that crucified life because we want his glory to be revealed. And we've got to be beside ourselves with the breath of God in proximity to allowing him to lead us. Okay, so that leads into the dominion of, of God. We want to just take one and pass it on there. So we have all the scriptures here, how convenient, and we can take it home. So if we don't get through it all, don't worry, but... <laughs> so don't faint. We, we might not get through this all. Now, that's okay. We'll do maybe two parts, because uh, we don't have a lot of time left. But we will start it, okay? And then maybe continue it next time. Yeah? So, so what is dominion anyway? I'm not talking about those voting machines. <laughs> but it's really interesting that they chose that name. Because what does it mean? If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Yeah, well, if you just look in the dictionary, which I did, I clicked and I let my computer define it for me. And here it is. It's about sovereignty or control and the territory over which this is exerted. So, when people vote, that is a huge determining factor on the authority which is going, and the control which is going to be exerted over a nation. So if that gets corrupted, that's bad news. Okay, enough said, said a lot. Okay, so, but the definition is the sovereignty or control and the territory of which is exerted. So God, in Genesis 1.28, says right there, God blessed Adam and Eve and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now, subduing is an expression of dominion. It means there's something not right. Okay? Have dominion over everything. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing. So, have dominion. So, mankind was created to be a, an expression of the dominion, the sovereignty of God over the earth. But you see, God didn't do that himself. He put mankind in that position. Can't God snap his fingers and just make everybody... That's not how he chose to do it. He chose mankind to be created in his image, his family. He says, I'm giving this territory to you. You name the animals, whatever you decide, that's the way it's going to be. Whatever choices you make, will, you will reap the fruit of those choices. Okay, so he gave them dominion. That's why when mankind fell, the earth fell and was cursed with it. The animals got corrupted. They started eating each other and everything went pear-shaped. Because the way man went, the whole earth was affected. Because they had dominion. Okay, <clears throat> so we know what happened, you know, the enemy came in and, and did all that, and so he usurped that 
that dominion, that control, that influence over the earth, because God got mankind to follow his ways, you know, the enemy. Okay, so <clears throat> whenever God gives us a commandment, it's to protect us from harm. It's to keep us from what will, will harm us, basically. So anytime God says, you know, love one another, as I have loved you, forgive one another, as I have forgiven you, guess what that is? That is to protect us from where the enemy can come in and and start doing and, and, and messing with our soul, mind, will, and emotions. And So the, Jesus said, he, the enemy has nothing in me. There's no place in me. I live before my heavenly Father, I don't entangle myself in the affairs of this life as far as my track. Still in this world, we do things, but I'm on the track. Wherever you are, it's a mission field. We don't flip on and off who we are or what we're here for. So the workplace, it's a mission field. It's, but God is our source, but he can use different things. So, but we're on this track. So God's commandments bring life. There to keep us on that straight and narrow path, because the, the the straight and narrow path has to do with going through this world and not providing any opportunity for the enemy to do damage to us. That's what that is. That's that's the commandments of God. It's not some hard thing. When we see who is behind those commandments, it and His love for us and His motivation for saying these things, it's only to help us. It's only, if he puts a tree in the garden, there's a reason. It was a reminder. You're so much like God, but you're not God. Don't forget that. It was a help. When we don't understand, in ignorance, we start saying, why did God... It's just because we don't understand. But there is understanding available, if we ask God. Okay, so, so dominion has to do with the reign of the king. There's only one omnipotent creator, God. And we're not it. <laughs> okay. We're not him. Okay, But God is God. He created Adam and Eve. So it's about the dominion. When he says have dominion, that means walk in my dominion. As long as you walk with me, you're going to express my ways, my will, my heart, which is for your good, which is to help, which is to keep you from harm. It's every good and perfect thing. So it's not like some evil despot over you making you do stuff you don't want to do. It's like he, he, his heart, I mean, he gave Jesus to us. What more could he express in his love to us? Nothing more. There, there's no greater cost he could give than Jesus himself coming and dying in our place. So his love for us should be established and clear <laughs> by now, right? So we, we go on in understanding, but we have to understand God's love for us, or we can't go on in understanding, because it doesn't make sense. But it makes sense when we understand the total love and that we were created as family. Then our understanding is founded on that truth and we can begin to understand everything else. Okay. So, dominion has to do with God's dominion and reign through the believing ones, through his family, the children of God. Okay, so in Isaiah 6 here, it talks about how the government of God will be on the shoulders of the Messiah. 
Jesus. It's, but it's described, God's reign is described as a government. It says his government will keep on increasing. And, the, and this, um, uh, in, the, in the Passion Translation, it says, verse 7, of the increase of his government, but the Passion Translation translates it as the responsibility of complete dominion, because that's what the government does. It, it has control, it has sovereignty over an area to dictate the way things go. That's what dominion is, right? So, so there will be no end. Okay, the Lord will perform this. So it's about God's dominion, not ours. And so he's not our genie in the bottle where we, we rub the lamp and, um, you know, just he's at our second command. What it is, is we find out what God is doing, what he has established, what he wants to do. We find that out and we can see that in his word, right? And we spend time with him and we get to know what he likes. And, and, and so we find out what God wants to do and we align with that. And we, and we pray those prayers. And when it says, ask and you will receive, this is later on, but I feel like sharing that. It's like, it's not... Oh, would you please? It is, it is actually the word there for ask and you will receive. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you, you know, you receive it. That, that one I'm talking about. That's over in uh, page, page four. That's in Mark 11, 22 and 26, when it says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. That word ask is not... Uh, you know, like something where you're not sure you're going to get it. But it's actually to place a demand. The literal meaning here is to actually, and it, I have it down there, one of the bullet points. It's at the bottom of page four. It says to ask is, there's the Greek word if you want to know that. <laughs> it's a demand on so, of something due in keeping with what has been established, connected to a situation, a relationship. So if God makes a covenant a new covenant in the blood of Jesus, and he has provided certain things, healing, he's provided your protection, your provision, you know, he's, he's made a covenant in his blood, the blood of Jesus, then we can place a demand on the covenant. We're not demanding God do something. We're not being demanding to God. But what it is, is we understand the covenant made in his blood, we understand what he has provided. So when the enemy tries to put a roadblock or the enemy tries to hinder, we with violence push the enemy away and we demand him to go away and we just keep locking on to what God has said. That's the idea of the demand in this word ask. So the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force because Everything is spiritual warfare down here. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 calls Satan the little g god of this world. That means he has that uh, you know, control and influence in the world over the hearts of men because the way the hearts of men go, that's the way the world goes, right? So when we place a demand on the covenant, we're cutting through what Satan is doing, what he's trying to hinder, just like Daniel when he started to to fast and pray, uh, you know, because he saw that Jeremiah prophesied that, you know, that after 70 years, the people of Israel would be released from captivity. So he said, he looked at his watch, which he didn't have, 
And he said, dude, it's been 70 years. What are we still doing here? So he started seeking God. This was prophesied by Jeremiah, and he was reading the, the prophet. Daniel was. So he said, it's been 70 years. God was going. So he fasted, he prayed, he's, he's get it. And guess what? The angels started moving, but the prince of Persia, the prince of this, and these were world powers that were soon to come. These were real entities that have control and influence in the world due to the choices of mankind. And those are the ones that were opposing the angels that were sent by God to give Daniel the answers. Everything is spiritual warfare when, when you move with God. The enemy fights it at every turn. There's not a demon behind every tree. There's seven. <laughs> Sorry, it's not a very uh, inspiring thought. No, seven demons. <laughs> you know, people say, well, there's not a demon behind every tree. No, there's, there's, there's 25. <laughs> okay, I just say that just to say, not to, oh, okay, greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. But it doesn't, it's not, we're not ignorant of the fact that he's there. What is he doing? He's trying to hinder God's purposes and plans from being established through you. What do you think he's doing? Sipping Coca-Cola and just laying on the beach? No, he doesn't sleep. He's just like, from the moment you wake up, he's like, how can I mess you up? That, that's what he's doing. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour because he can't devour everybody. Those whose life is hidden God and they relationally live that way and let the Lord live. That's why it's important that everything we do, we're sent. We just go ahead. Lord, how are you? Okay, let's go. You're sent. And when you're sent, he always leads in victory. That's what the Bible says. It says, he, God always leads in victory. But he has to be leading. <laughs> right? Jesus said, I don't do a thing except what I hear my father do and, and say. And that's why everything he does was victorious. Because he was not seeking his own will. He was just doing the will of his father. He was already crucified. He was living the crucified life. Okay, so that, that ask has to do with the covenant forged by the blood of Jesus and everything that he's provided, the union with God that we share with him now and all the good that he wants to do. Acts 10.38 says he was, Jesus was going around doing good and healing and delivering all who were oppressed by the enemy, the devil. That's the will of God. So when it comes to doing good, it's like the blank checks are signed by the God in the blood of Jesus, and he's just waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool. So, so when we place a demand, when we ask and we know we're going to receive, it's the type of asking where we place a demand on the covenant that is able to cut through the obstructions the enemy tries to bring and put in. So it looks to the covenant, what did God provide? What did he say in his word? And it just cuts through there and abides. It abides in the truth of God's word and we can get violent against the, the enemy about it. We don't waste time, you know, arguing, but, but it's, 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 a, 
it's an understanding of truth, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. Again, if everything was already done, positioned, da-da-da-da-da, what is that prayer we just prayed in the beginning in Ephesians 1? That God may give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him and to understand the riches and the power that's working in us and all these things. Don't we already have it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's Paul praying? Paul, what are you praying there? Don't you know that we, it's already, you know, we've already got everything and you don't need to pray that prayer? No, it's relationship. It's pressing in. It's the breath of God. It's proximity. It's living the crucified life. It's repentance. It's turning from our own ways. It is beholding Jesus and saying, all I want to do is to know him and him crucified and to let him lead. And when he starts leading like that, guess what kind of dominion is going to be expressed? It's the heart of the Father, the power of God, the authority of Jesus Christ because we're submitted to his authority. And so great faith, the inbirth persuasion of God rises up within because the Holy Spirit, because we have ears to hear, we have a heart to obey, and we've already said yes before he says it. And so the soil is ripe for the seed of the word of God to come in and just burst forth in fruitfulness and harvest because the condition of the soil is good in our heart. Let me see what time it is. I look at the clock every once in a while. Okay, we have a few minutes left. So, <clears throat> let me see, where, where were we? We were on page two here. Huh? Yeah, okay, so, so government has that, I, the government is on his shoulders, Jesus. But there is a legislative process. There's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has set us free from the law of sin and death. So that spiritual law cannot be contravened. God has established it. It's like a covenant. It's, this is the way it works. And so the, and the, the Satan, he understands that. So he has to work according to those, those things. So it's when we are firmly attached and we understand what God has provided and we know our inheritance, we know our rights as the children of God. And the devil has no right to steal our inheritance. He has no right to obstruct what God has done Now, he can't obstruct God himself, but guess who he tries to obstruct? Us from laying hold of the understanding and the reality where we're actually living that out. That's what he tries to obstruct. He he can do nothing against God himself. So when we live the crucified life, our life is hid in Christ and God, and when the enemy looks at us and all he sees is Jesus and there's no flesh hooks, guess what? He's defeated. He'll just opt out. He's not going to go to battle with you. He's going to, he, all he sees is God. He can't win. So you see, we need to be beside ourselves with the breath of God and the proximity. We need to lay hold of the truth of God's word and meditate on it and let it sink deep within the soil of our heart and relationally feel the breath of God because we've turned ourselves in. We said, we know where we end and where he begins and we need to go further, Right? We need to go further. Are, are you walking in fullness? Are you happy with the, the fruitfulness of God in your life? Well, I, for one, know there's more in my life, and I want the more. So we have to hunger 
and thirst for the more. God has already done everything, but it's, I'm talking about our relationship with Him. I'm talking about the degree of our focus and our yieldedness and our turning ourselves in so that He can lead. That's what I'm talking That's what the Scripture is talking about. Okay? And so that, recognizing that, he is, that God is the authority, the government is on His shoulders, and we align with what He has said. We keep the agreement. We have Abraham here. Examples of the covenant God made with him. So it's always been about covenant. And then you have the people of Israel and Exodus and Moses. And in Exodus 24, the scripture, it's on here, it says, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. And the people said, All that the Lord has said we will do. Well, that didn't last them very long. you know. But if they would have kept their end of the deal of the covenant, guess what? God always keeps his end. He always does. In fact, for the sake of the promises to Abraham, God didn't abandon them. Even though when they would stray, then you know God's favor would lift and then the enemies would take them captives and all these things would happen. Then they would repent and God would go back and, and they would be restored. But God didn't abandon them. Why? Because of covenant with their fathers. God made a promise to Abraham. God doesn't forsake his covenant. When he says something, he means it. And if we latch on and be believing ones and we say, it is settled, you know what? That's, you can use enough spiritual violence to push through any attack of the enemy and you abide and you just keep knowing that God is faithful and he will. But it's, you see, it's not pacifism here. It's understanding. It's the revelation of the wisdom, the spirit that God has put within and it's a deeper understanding that we need to draw near to God. We need to pray. We need to have that prayer life. We need to pray in the Spirit. We need to pray the Scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to take us deeper in the wealth of the riches of the glory of His Word, of His Spirit, and relationship and feeling His breath upon us because of proximity. Okay, so it's always been about covenant. It's always been about God establishing His ways, His government, His laws, and it's about aligning with that. So the key is repentance. That's how we realign. We realize how far we've fallen short and we repent. We align with God's ways. We turn ourselves in. We stop trying to pretend we're all hunky-dory. We turn ourselves in. We confess, Jesus, here's my life. I lay it down. Teach me. Lead me on to the next steps. All right. Um, I think we'll stop there. So we've got about halfway. So we'll continue it next time. But, uh, but you can take this. You can study this as well. Because we kind of you know, jump around in here. But you can allow the word to have its effect there. So can I ask something? Mm-hmm. Because like when I was talking with my dad yesterday... On the phone. Mm-hmm. Of course, the war is the topic number one mm-hmm. in Ukraine and everything. And 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 he threw this. You know, they, they are believers. I mean, they are Catholics, and so they're not very. Like, they don't know what it means to be born again. Yeah, they're not very. You know, like strong. I would say. I mean, they love God, but uh, it's not very. The understanding is not. Uh, very vast, 
so so he just say oh uh, you know why God will not stop this you know <laughs> and I know that many people just uh, throw this this thing uh, why he's like you know this is the typical version allowing the you know the, this war and mm. you know because they are so close so it's like you know you feel it in, mm. and the pain of the people and yeah. running from the country yes. and it's just like forsaking everything and men fighting the fathers yes man you just leave everything and run because you don't want a bomb to drop on your head so you just leave everything boom yeah. and now you have nothing and you're yeah, in a new country and the fathers <laughs> and husbands are yeah Staying and fighting, and so you're separated. So yeah. the, all this pain is just, yeah. you know, they really feel it. And, and yeah. so, yeah, so, so. Uh, Are you asking know, what's the answer to that question he asked? Yeah, like to, so he, you know, <laughs> kind, I mean, I, I know, but for them to help, help them to yeah. kind of grasp it, because, you know, I was telling him. Okay, it's, it's, people have free will and it's, yeah. what, God, so you, it's what we read Genesis 1 26 yes, says it's, it's, God gave dominion that means the authority to influence and sovereignty over a territory of the earth in this case was given to Adam and Eve and their offspring yeah. mankind therefore whatever decisions are made for good or for bad we reap the fruit of that it's not God's doing it's not God's fault Anything, now God has established in the heavenlies good, and now through Jesus as well, redemption and the ability to walk in that goodness and experience that. But whether that happens or not, just because he positionally provided it doesn't mean everybody is going to receive it nor walk in it. There are still people that align with Satan and the little g-god of this world to make wrong decisions, to be motivated by greed and power and and all of these things. And so you have people very, the very high ups, you know, which are aligned with these selfish motivations, not God. And therefore, God will not override the will of man on earth because he gave them dominion over the earth. So, so, That's it. So basically, because at one point he said, so what? So the devil is ruling the world. You know, Only because mankind... Kind of, because... Tell him to read Second Corinthians 4, verse 4. It calls Satan, little g, God of this world. Satan tempted, one of the temptations was taking Jesus up to see all the kingdoms of this world. And Satan said, I have the dominion, the authority over all of this. The temptation was, you want to take a shortcut? Just bound out to me, I'll give it to you. It wasn't like, are you power hungry, Jesus? No, he said, you came to have your influence in the world, I'll give it to you. Just worship me. That was the temptation. Okay, so so if he didn't have that uh, that influence in the world, he couldn't have tempted Jesus with it either. So, but the point, the, the heart of the matter is Genesis one twenty six. God gave dominion to mankind on the earth. That's the territory over which the dominion is, you know, you didn't, he didn't give us dominion over heaven over said this is the earth this is yours you mess it up you're gonna eat the fruit of it whatever but it's like i've created you like me i've given you everything i've given you all the tools necessary to do it right but they didn't do it right because they go away from god they make their own things they have their they allow the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye i want this and other motivations and flesh hooks come in and and things break the way god intended them to be so god the point is god will not overrule the sovereignty he gave to man on the earth. Mm.
Yeah. So it basically depends on us. Oh, so, and to answer that yeah. part two question, so the devil's ruling the world. Well, the devil has no ability to rule the world unless yeah. people give it to him. Yeah. And that's what happened. We see the example in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had the authority. They had the dominion. They had, God gave it to them, not to, to Satan who hid behind a snake. So that serpent was not Satan. But Satan used a serpent. He cloaks himself. He hides behind because he knows how God works. In Genesis 6, when all, when the certain, the, uh, those fallen angels cross the line, they're locked up. You read about it in Jude. Jude? James? Jude? Yeah, Jude. Jude. <laughs> they're chained. They're chained up now. They cross the line. They're chained. The devil stands back. He works through, he manipulates. He inserts himself as a middleman and he gets other people to do his stuff. So that's the way the enemy uh, influences the world. It's through mankind. If mankind decided to, you know what? Devil, take a hike. We're not listening to you anymore. We're turning to Jesus. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so the enemy, it's, it's, it says in Scripture, when he's exposed at the end of the ages, and, and we behold and we say, this is the one who is troubling the whole world? What? How did we allow that to happen? You know, because he has no ability except the ability we give him when we reject God and um, allow him to grab on to us with flesh hooks. And, it, and, and people who don't have the Lord, they have no ability to withstand. It's what the Bible says. It says, you know, he can go in and out of people who are not the temple of the Holy Spirit, who don't have the Holy Spirit, and just like at will, you know? But we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, so he can't do that with us. That's why he hates Christians. That's why he doesn't want this in politics. That's why he doesn't want us anywhere. <laughs> he just wants the, the believers to go away so that he can just, you know, take over everything uh, completely, entirely, and have no resistance. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And you'll get the people to the unbelievers or people who aren't strong in the Lord, you'll get them to believe that God has done us. Yeah, well, this is, you see, he you cloaks. Yeah, his, his lies, deceit, deception, disinformation campaigns, whatever you want. He loves it when God gets blamed for what he does. That's like the ultimate to him. It's like, huh, he's probably, you know, he's like, in, in his insane way, but he's like, Oh my gosh, what a bunch of gullible people. You're blaming God for the things I'm doing. That's a win in his books. You know what I'm saying? It's through lack of understanding. So, so Paul prays that the, the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened and the, the wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so, he, so our eyes can see what's going on. You know, While it says the enemy, he blinds the eyes and the hearts of the people so that they will not believe in the light of the gospel and the truth of God. Hi, my name is Paul Warren Gray with Life Mission. If you'd like more audio and video teachings like this one, please visit our website at www.lifemission.org.za. That's www.lifemission.org.za. 
And if you are in the Johannesburg area in South Africa, we hope you'll drop in so we can meet you in person. Details are on the website. <laughs>